there, I'm Rachel Ehring from Dream Lavender Music, and you're listening to the Dynamic Piano Teaching Podcast, the show that dives into piano pedagogy without being stuffy. If you're a piano teacher who wants to go beyond the method book to create an engaging, innovative studio, you've come to the right place. So let's get started. Hello, my teacher friends. I hope that your first week or two back at teaching have been successful and that you feel invigorated after a bit of a break. I would love to know if you are doing anything different for the new year in your studios. In the conservatory where I work, we're doing a couple of events in the next month that are new to us. The first is a workshop with our church organist who's going to introduce our students to the workings of the organ, which I think is going to be really fun for them. The church here where I work has a huge, beautiful pipe organ. I've heard that it's the second largest in Orange County behind Christ Cathedral, which used to be called the Crystal Cathedral, so you might be familiar with that. So it should be really interesting for our students to get to explore and learn more about the organ. And then in February, we're doing a recital put on by our conservatory instructors. So we, the instructors, will be performing for our students and their families. I think it's really important and inspiring for our students to hear us perform and know that we actually make music ourselves and not just teach it. So I'm actually going to be sharing a little about that on the podcast today. And then, as I promised last week, I will share my word of the year at the end of this episode. So you may or may not know, you probably don't know, but I avoided piano teaching for many, many years. I usually don't say it that way, but it's actually true. I got my undergraduate degree in piano performance, but I did not want to teach. I resisted with every part of me. I didn't know, though, what other options were out there. When I was about to graduate, however, I was approached by the chair of the voice division at the college where I had attended, and he asked me if I would be interested in doing some part-time accompanying for the department. I immediately said yes. I had dabbled in accompanying really since I was a kid, just, you know, playing at church, playing for my high school choir, my college choir, occasional singer along the way. So I knew that I enjoyed it and it seemed like I had a little bit of a affinity for it, I guess. So I was really excited about the opportunity to learn more about it and pursue it. I saw it as the perfect way to use my piano degree. I would actually be playing the piano every day for my job and I loved that idea. So that was the beginning of what ended up becoming a long um, full-time career as an accompanist. I ended up getting two graduate degrees in collaborative piano, and I held staff accompanist positions at two universities. Along the way, I played all sorts of gigs for churches, musical theater, opera, and a host of other things that I don't even know if I remember them all. One of the things that I always loved about accompanying is that it is so relational, which is also true about piano teaching. But many um, solo pianists, if we think about being a 
solo career pianist, we think of them being rather isolated and spending eight hours, 10 hours a day in the practice room, right? But collaborative piano is not like that. I got to collaborate with other musicians and make amazing friends along the way. When I played with musicians who were older than me and more experienced, I felt that it brought out a higher level of musicianship in me. And then when um, I played, when I accompanied students or coached students who were perhaps a little less experienced, I had the opportunity to teach them and hopefully bring their musicianship to a higher level. Another incredible thing about being an accompanist was that I got to travel all around the world, which was unbelievable. I went on multiple choir trips to Europe. I accompanied solo handbell players in Australia, which is probably a story for another podcast. And I've even gotten a couple of free trips to Hawaii, which I certainly won't complain about. All of this probably sounds amazing, and it was. I was so blessed with my accompanying career. So you're probably wondering why I'm not still doing all of that. What made me transition out of that career into one where I'm doing more teaching and a lot of administration? Well, I'm going to tell you about that today. And I'll be honest, this feels a little bit vulnerable to share. So hopefully you can just stick with me. When my son was born, he's six now, I was still working full-time as an accompanist and still traveling some, and it started to feel hard. I felt like I never had enough time to practice and learn all the music, and I never had enough time at home with my son. I'm sure many of you moms who are listening right now can relate to that pull of when you're at work, you're thinking about home and your kids, and then when you're at home, you're worrying about work and all the things that aren't getting done at your job. In addition to that, the evening and weekend performances and rehearsals and the traveling were starting to wear on me as a new mom. I knew that um, long term, I didn't want to miss my son's school events and games and whatever else he was involved in for these evening performances and rehearsals and such. So that was kind of the external shift that was happening. But internally, becoming a mom also changed me as I'm sure all of you moms can relate to. I started to take an interest in babies and toddlers and kids that I hadn't had before. I started hanging out with other moms and their kids and started learning more about child development and different personalities among kids. And this internal shift is what got me thinking more about music education and the importance of young kids having music in their lives. So all of this was kind of brewing within me, I guess, when COVID hit in 2020. And I'm going to be really honest with you. My first feeling when everything shut down was actually one of relief because I was facing all of these recitals and concerts that I didn't feel prepared for. And so that kind of gives you a hint of the burnout that perhaps I was experiencing was that feeling of now I don't have to figure out how I'm going to get through all of all of these performances. But of course, as the lockdown dragged on, uh, things changed a little bit. And as COVID progressed, I did some online teaching and coaching, but I also started to think about what other possibilities might be out there for me. And I'm not going to go into the whole story because there were many twists and turns that I don't 
necessarily need to get into today, but I will tell you this part. During that time when everything was online, I started learning more about digital courses and digital content, and I was actually really close to launching a digital course when I got the job that I currently have as director of a conservatory. And I have to tell you, when I got this job, I was so excited. I have learned so much here about administration and piano teaching and management, and I still get to do some accompanying as well. I accompany several choirs, and I, of course, will be accompanying for the instructor recital coming up that I mentioned, and I accompany students here and there. Um, so I have I love my job. I will first and foremost say that, and I was so excited when I was offered this job back in 2022. But here's the thing. When I got this job, I put my digital course dreams on hold because there was no way that I had time to launch a digital course while trying to get the conservatory reopened after COVID. So fast forward to a few months ago, my dear friend Amy Elmore, who it turns out has also has a history with digital courses, asked me if I might want to create a digital course simultaneously with her. And she didn't mean work on the same course together, but each of us create our own digital course and support each other throughout the process. And at first I said, no, I don't think I have time for it. I'm doing the podcast and I have a full-time job. But it kept coming up in various places and various ways. And then recently some things happened in my life where I realized I might actually be able to make the time to create a course. So then the question was, well, if I were going to do this, what should my course topic be? I had a few different ideas but I'll tell you this, I've resisted the idea of doing a digital course on the topic of accompanying for a long time. I think because of my mental state of burnout when I stopped doing accompanying full time, I felt like I had moved on from that part of my career and I wasn't sure that I wanted to go back there. Even though I still do work as an accompanist, it's not in the intense capacity that I was doing it a few years back, and I feel like I'm more in the piano teaching space now. But the reality is, accompanying truly is what I know best and what people ask me questions about, and it still is something that I love and am passionate about, even though my career currently has taken a little bit of a different turn. So when Amy and I were talking, I started to think, maybe I'm ready to teach accompanying. And what if I taught it to all of you out there who have become my piano teacher friends? One of the things that I hear from piano teachers is that they have a sense of fear and unknown around accompanying. And I'll be honest, it is kind of its own unique beast. It's not the same as just playing the piano. But here's the thing. It is still playing the piano. So if you can play the piano you can accompany. You just need a little bit of knowledge in regards to some of the lingo and a few tips for balancing and following and things like that, That you and you can absolutely be a great accompanist. I'm curious if you have ever turned down a gig, whether paid or volunteer, to accompany a singer or choir, violinist, whatever, because you didn't have the confidence in your own skills. What if you could learn in just a few short weeks everything you need to know to confidently say yes when those opportunities come along? 
and maybe even make a little extra income while you're at it. So all that to tell you that I'm putting together a digital course that is going to teach you what you need to know for those situations. I'm taking my six years of graduate work, my 20 plus years of accompanying experience, and I'm choosing the most important information for you to have to be a successful accompanist. Now, I know how valuable your time is. You don't have six years to go get degrees in collaborative piano, and you don't need to. With just a little bit of extra knowledge, you can hone in on the skills you need to accompany singers, choirs, instrumentalists, play in church, whatever it is you want to do. If you have a little extra time and want to earn some extra income, I'll teach you how to do that. Or if you want to have the knowledge about accompanying to pass along to your students, we'll also talk about that. So here's what I want you to do. If this sounds like something you are even a little bit interested in, go to my website, which is rachelaring.com. Erin is E-H-R-I-N-G. And there is one of those annoying little pop-up boxes where you can add your name to the waitlist. And this is not committing you to anything, um, but I'm planning to launch the course hopefully in early spring. So this will let me know that you want the details about the course when the launch gets closer. And I will likely do some kind of early bird special offer. So by putting your name on the list, you will ensure that you get information on the best possible price for the course. So I would love to have you join me for this course. After several years of resistance, I am really excited to teach the thing that I know the most about, and I can't wait to see how it's going to impact piano teachers and open up new possibilities for you. Okay, so before I end this episode, I promise my word of the year. I've only done a word of the year, I think the past couple of years. I was probably late to the party, and honestly, I'm not even sure what my word was last year. I think I remember, but I'm not quite sure. But this year, I have chosen the word hope. This isn't the kind of hope where you hope you'll win the lottery or you hope your students will show up on time for their lessons. This is that bigger kind of hope where I'm hopeful that I'm going to show up as a better version of myself in the new year. I'm hopeful that I can be a better mom to my son, that I can be more intentional with my time. I'm hopeful that I will deepen my connections with all of you amazing piano teachers so that we can learn from each other and help our students grow in their love for music. Honestly, 2023 wasn't my best year in many ways, but I'm hopeful that everything I learned on those hard days last year will serve me in 2024 to make me a better version of myself. There's a line in an old hymn that I grew up singing that says, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. I think that's the kind of hope that we all need right now. So as I conclude this episode, I wish for you, my piano teacher friends, great strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. I would love to know if you have chosen a word for the year. You can share it with me on Instagram at Rachel Erin. And also please head over to rachelerin.com to join the waitlist for my digital course all about accompanying. I will also put a link to the waitlist in the show notes. So until next time, happy piano teaching.